to another edition of the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and Rachel Burford is alongside as ever. How are you doing, Berth? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks, Johnny. Um, you know, things go on. Been pretty busy with work this week and got the sevens this weekend. So, yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyable uh, weekend from my point of view. Being in the uh, in the commentary box um, for your semi-final. Look, we're going to get into your semi-final uh, and, of course, the historic uh, other semi-final um, between Bristol and Exeter a little bit later on in the show. And then we'll have all the news from around the world. Uh, and, of course, next week we'll have a full preview for the Premier 15s here in England. The final at uh, Six Ways Worcester Warriors home on Friday the 3rd. June will be in the company of the next player and a Saracens player. But first of all, we didn't touch on it last week uh, with Sunter. She was all part of, sort of suited and booted, all part of the uh, the bid and what have you. So probably wasn't appropriate to, to ask her. But got to reflect on on these World Cups and the next three World Cups are planned. Um, obviously, from sort of our point of view here in England, the fact that the World Cup 2025 will be here in the UK. We then go to Australia of 2029, the men's in 2027 in Australia as well. And then USA 2033, uh, with the men's being a couple of years earlier as well. Just your reflection on that announcement. Yeah, well, I think straight up dead excited about the 25 um I think the opportunity that we have is it's never been here before in terms of the opportunity that we have to grow the game I think even going back to 2010 you know 15 years later on the the changes that this has had is remarkable and I I am spoke about this before when I did um I was doing some commentary for the men's internationals in the autumn and the anthems were going and all of that. And I took my headphones off just to listen. And it was the only time I've ever like put myself in a moment to think this actually could happen in the women's game. I've never been or never even believed or thought or, you know, believed that we could get there and achieve that. Whereas I think it's really achievable to sell out Twickenham for it for, for a game, um, a women's rugby game. So I'm mega excited about what it can do for the sport globally, but you know quite biased to what it can do to rugby in England as well. I mean, I think it's it's not a question of if, it's when. Um, <clears throat> we, we've spoken off the back of the Six Nations, haven't we? The, the trajectory of women's rugby um, and yeah, that's whatever we just starts talking about in terms of commercially, oh, it doesn't get the, the, the money in the, the, the men's rugby. Of course it doesn't. It's in its infancy. Um, but the projection of growth is, is beyond... So, um, yeah, hugely exciting. And as you say, 2010 was, was great fun. Very different event. I thought it was it was stage where it was where it was at the time in 2010. Sorry, Sports Park. And then obviously this for the stoop for, for the other ones. But yeah, hugely exciting. And yeah, I also think Australia, a strong Australia is, is a really good thing for, for world rugby. You know, they've been in the doldrums, almost kind of went under problems at the very, very top of Australian rugby. But to have... Yeah, back to back World Cups. There's plenty of sporting events going on in Australia around that time as well. Um, so that's really good for Australia. And then, of course, you know, this untapped huge commercial market in, in the USA, um, which, yeah, if we are going to be a, a truly global game, 
um, then we then we have to attract the the Americans, and I think that's um, a very wise move from from World Rugby. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think the fact that it's they've both been announced the next two, it allows for well, it puts pressure on unions and everybody to invest in in the game for for what's to come, and England will do a magnificent job in twenty twenty five, and like any competition and any hosts. They want to do one over on what's just previously done. So I think I'm really excited about it going to America. I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's such an untapped um, global market that we can really get into. I think that they've got so much more room for growth. And I think, you know, they've got a kind of the a, a plenty of time between now and then to really grow and um, its foundation and get its structures right and 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 support its national team. Because you you look at all their players individually who play in the Allianz Premier 15, you think, oh, this has got the USA team's got to be right up there with the top four in the world. I think by that point, absolutely they will be. So, yeah, I think it's um, really exciting. And I just love the fact that we've got this kind of, we've got these predictions of where it's going to be, when it's going to be, which is things that you and I crave and shout about going, you know, what are the fixtures, where are we going to be? What's the venue? Let's get the plans in place. Let's make things happen now. Let's. And so I think that that step's been huge as well. Just, you know, the recognition to go, actually, we've got to, we've got to announce these now. We can't wait a year out or two years out and then decide where we're going. I agree. And I, and I think you're right. It, you want to plan, don't you? You want to be able to, to, to look ahead and say, right, well, that's that. I don't think USA are, are there on any level at the minute in terms of hosting and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there was some some pretty bad reports the last time that sort of England went over there and there's sort of super series. But, yeah, that that gives us some time. It also puts pressure on the, on, on Australia, who, you know, um, as, as we know, just lifted the uh, the sevens title. But actually just put put some um, some structure into their, their, their women's national team. You know, the, the franchises are doing well. Melbourne Rebels, as we know, with Alana Thomas and all the rest of it getting some contracts out there. But... Um, yeah, for for to put some a little bit of pressure on Australia is is great. So, no, very very positive news all round. Hi, I'm Bill Beaumont, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Let's move to the Premier Fifteen semi-finals. But if not quite such positive chat, we're going to have Saracens Harlequins. Um, first time we met the semi-finals. It was a great occasion. Sun was out. Oh, yeah, it was. Really warm, wasn't it? Um, we were luckily <laughs> in the in the shading in commentary, but it was really warm. Saracens really trying. Bars open. A guy playing music. All the rest of it, live music. Some food stalls and all the rest of it. Good old crowd. Um, so in terms of an occasion, it, it was great on the field. For you, not so great for for the quarters. No, um, yeah, I think just the occasion was really good, like the build-up and the atmosphere that they created and running out into pitch and the fireworks and all of that. Like that, that to me is where the game should be every week and putting on that kind of display, you know, because that's what draws people in, not just the rugby, but everything that's going on around it as well. So I think I don't want to just see that pulling out it for semi-finals like let's try and get that into the the league constantly and consistently um so yeah they did a great job at hosting 
And results-wise, yeah, it was really tough for, for us as a squad. We genuinely believed that we had all we needed to win that game and we had prepared so well for that game. Um, but the, that's the way that rugby goes sometimes. Sometimes it just doesn't work and things that you're trying to put together doesn't happen and things don't stick. And and on the flip side of that, everything sticks for them. And, and it reminded me of the, I think it was at Northampton, where where everything we tried just didn't work where and everything that they did even if it was like players picking balls off their shoelaces it was sticking and it felt very much like that and we just couldn't get any momentum in the game and you know I think they really they slowed it down that was part of their tactics to really slow it down and um yeah I think overall really disappointed but even you know having said that we had so many opportunities and like I just mentioned, for we just couldn't quite finish it. I mean, you look at the first, what, five to 10 minutes, we're all over them. We're in there 22, you know, you know, Lange goes for the crossfield kick. Maybe if we just go through the hand, suddenly, you know, we're, we're seven points up from the start. And not that that's going to be the defining moment, of course, but that then just has a very different psyche for, for us as a group. And um yeah, I just think every time something get we were losing a bit more, mem- well, any momentum we tried to get, we lost it or we then had a penalty or a knock on that just drained our energy. And I think with that, it then drained your belief. It's like, oh God, we, we tried that. We'll try it again. Still didn't work. Still didn't work. So, you know, I think um, as much as it was, they played brilliantly, like in terms of the set piece and the their pack were phenomenal. Um and basically that's all that they really did. They had a bit the power game and to turn over the ball. Um, you know, their their back, uh, their entire pack were phenomenal, I think. And and I think that's where the game was won and lost in and around the breakdown. I think there were some decisions that weren't fair um from a refereeing point of view. But, you know, I'm sure that they'll be saying there's some that they didn't 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 think were fair and so yeah, it's really tough because, like I started this this um, conversation, we genuinely believe we had the, the group that could go on and win that game at the weekend, and then push on again next next week in the final. So um, yeah, gutted, but I put my hand on my heart. I genuinely think this is going to be the making of Harlequins. Um, I think it has to. Um, it has to it has to change how we've been doing things, I think at the club in some areas and, and the club are aware of this. We've had good conversations, you know, we've, we've struggled this year with performances, with injuries and it's like fitness. We haven't had enough resources in terms of coaching. And so and look, this is all things that we've all spoken about beforehand, but I, I genuinely think, you know, times like this, have to you have to find good from it and I think that will come out so technically there's a couple of things I want to pick up uh, on that um in terms of the the, the performance it, it as you say that opening 10 minutes you got a, a couple of line outs in their 22 we would expect Harlequins to to motor over and, and, and grab minimum five um and it just then seemed to the game just seemed to slip slip away from you. What, what, why couldn't you get a foothold? You've, you've, I mean, what there was, KG Mew was the only uncapped player 
in that starting 15, yeah, there's a huge amount of experience, huge amount of quality. Um, majority of the 10 starters been there to the final, done it before. Um, why couldn't you wrestle momentum back? Well, I think we just couldn't build phases. And then we didn't work hard enough when in the moments that mattered. So once we had built those times when we did build enough phases to put them under pressure, we then didn't work hard enough to then execute an opportunity that we had created by retaining the ball. And so you think of all that energy that's then expended and then we turn over the ball. You know, Marley Packer had a field day, May Campbell, uh, Poppy Cleal, and, you know, that, that steals momentum. And then suddenly it's back in their hands. And the way that they played was... Tight, direct, kick. So, you know, then they're, they're in a position where we're back under pressure. We're in our 22. We've got to try and run out or we've got to kick out. And, you know, and they, they slowed the game down. They, you know, they took a knee every two minutes and, and Nicky O'Donnell allowed that. And, you know, we had, we had all the momentum around the 22, you know, moments out from the line. And, you know, Nicky O'Donnell pulls, stops the game because there's an injury to someone's knee and then the player continues to play on. You know, so the, the, all those things, they really build up and they continue to build up and then you have frustration and then all of a sudden we're trying to grab hold of the game, but we've got A, a team that's stopping that, but then also, um, you know, them taking breakages, you know, every five minutes, players going down. And look, I'm sure some of them are legit, but at the same time, that really stifles the game that we want to play, which is we're all about high, fast tempo, playing exciting rugby, trying to move the ball around. Um, but we weren't able to do that. So that then, you know, maybe that's a big find out for us that, you know, when we can't get that kind of momentum, what's our what's our plan B? What's the What's the what's the next route that we've got to try in order to change that momentum? And look, I, it's, 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 it's very painful. Um, I, I, I'm sure because I, I agree with you. Um, you know, you and Sunto both said you, you guys will get to the, to the final. And I, I and it, I, I guess some of your feelings is, is some of frustration because you know, the talent is, is there and you're able to, to do it. Saris weren't going to do anything different, were they? Because uh, they lost a psychological battle against you in the final last year, um, and and we know so they they hardly ever lose two games back to back, and I just I just felt they were from the warm up they were just right on their metal. I think you're absolutely right, Marley Packer. I mean, it's just in the form of her life, simple as that. Poppy Clear was was outstanding, despite sort of it would appear being on a sort of half a calf. Uh, May Campbell, don't know why she doesn't have more international recognition. Um, I, I think there's a wider issue with uh, with players going down, injuries, get them off. Get them off the field. Treat your player off the field. Let let the game continue um, as a spectacle. Uh, but look, that's a, that's a wider thing. Um, and I know you're, you're getting in the referee's ear and saying, let, let's speed this game up. But you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it was uh, probably a frustration that you couldn't sort of get beyond that. Um, and then for me, it's just started to and Lucy Packer goes for a box hit first one of, yeah, in the entire game gets charged down and you, you try oh, yeah. that. Entire we get, year. We are, yeah, I was, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to sort of be kind. Um, <laughs> and just start doing things. That, but that's, you yeah, know, that's that semi-final pressure, right? Um, and, you know, you, yeah, for a 30-10 loss, um, I thought Saracens were 
were very good and, and had the bit between their teeth. Um, the other thing for me is, as you say, you, you had a season and it's been utterly truncated with, with a lot of injuries. Um, you, yourself, Jess Breach. Other clubs aren't any different. Uh, d- d- don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Saracens themselves have had their own injuries, but you know, Jess Breach, Amy Kakane, Sarah Beckett, yourself, uh, Brooks, Katie Mew, a lot of injuries, and and the season's been stop start. You know, you 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 finish in fourth. Um, Saracens started season what seven wins, lose to you, eight wins uh, uh, until until Exeter. Um, and I just yeah they finished top of the table by eleven points and yeah as a as a sort of chap is not wonderfully clean on on playoffs I love the excitement and the drama and the broadcast of it but um, you know a league is a league is the most consistent team and 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 they are and and again do you think that consistency throughout the season played played a bit of a part those sort of muscle memories and you know psychological memories that you can pull back on that you know we have strung together victories here whereas possibly it's been a formal sort of spike in terms of your performance and, and therefore results yeah I think you're right like our season's definitely been inconsistent with um you know and, and injuries like you say everybody everybody has them you know when Harlequins came when Saracens came to play us they didn't have you know Poppy Cleal, Zoe Harrison at that time so um you know I definitely think that throughout the year our and like I think we've always said that you know sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have those losses and you need to be able to bounce back from them or to win really tight games come back from things and you know I'm not sure that we've bounced back particularly well and maybe it's a a mental thing for us about how we bounce back from tough tough games tight games or you know you, you look at Saracens how they've been consistent in their winning but also how they win sometimes, you know, they've got that in them that I think everybody would want in a bottle and to be able to take home and sprinkle all over their own teams. Um, So that kind of belief um, is something that seems to be ingrained in them. Um, But our season, yeah, it it was just, it's just been inconsistent. I think a lot of people didn't even think that we might even make the top four. We'd been kind of written off and, and fairly maybe because of our inconsistencies in, in games and performances and, but as I say, I think, you know, you have to you have to use this as motivation and you have to use this as, you know, this is the first time we've never been in a final. And I think that got to us. I think that the thought of not getting to a final and then when it starts to slip away from you in a game, you know, that's then you're suddenly just focused on what an outcome is. And we all know if you if you focus on an outcome that can generally pull you away from your process and your belief and um and I definitely think, you know, when we came out second half, the charge down and then which then resulted in a penalty, kicked a corner, then a try. And suddenly we've just been in the changing room saying about how we're going to turn this around. And now we're under our sticks again. You know, so like, it, yeah, it, it's I would say the confidence comes from that consistency over the season coming back from bounces. I know I've got around the houses and said to say that, but um, but yeah, I think you know, they 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 finished top of the league um and they got their home semi for a reason you know we got we got just into the top 4 and and so yeah i think it it definitely has a has a lot to do with it yeah those uh, that probably clear try 
and those championship minutes Joe Schmidt I think famously called them five minutes before half time five minutes afterwards and, and Main Campbell scored after what was that, four minutes into the second half something like that um, that was the game done for me um, yeah that was the time to, 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 to grab the momentum and yeah as you say they, they come away with it um, but it's it's massively fine margins isn't it you know, at, at this level it's, it's hugely fine margins um, a bitterly disappointed view you spoke there just uh, about the club and 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 learning from from this season. Jeremy obviously moves now to to the academy. He has some changes in the coaching, but I mean he's been kind of a one man band. And to go from Karen Finley and, and Gareth Street to to Jared by himself, it's yeah, it's he's been doing a lot of the the legwork himself. What 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 changes are going to yeah if you are able to to let us know? Yeah, I think just just to know like Gerard literally like you say was a one-man band he we we had Andy Reese jones that had been helping um with the forwards Adam Jones it also came in but you know it's not the same as having full-time coaches and yeah look moving forward the club are really investing in in the program even more so we'll have a full-time head coach a full-time assistance coach and depending on who that head coach is um you know predominantly where they their strengths are then we'll look at what assistant can complement that um also uh, we're having a new snc so again there's going to be a lot of changes shake-ups different um philosophies and ways of doing things and the club have they've got a really robust recruitment of how they're doing this it's the same way that they got tabai mason in for the men's so um yeah really looking forward to obviously that they've done the shortlist now and they're talking to the shortlists and yeah I'm really excited about who's to come in because I think the game now is proven that these are jobs that you want to have in the game men or women's they're the top flight jobs and and I think you know that that in itself the fact that we'll have two full-time coaches because even when um Karen was here you know she was off running London basically and um, being with us so the fact that you're going to have an extra coach that's full-time and available to the players and to the program is is huge and Andy Reese jones will still be around so that's great to also keep his experience but like I think there'll be more a bit more crossover as well a bit more support Tabs has done so many sessions with us defensively down at the gymnastics session so I think that may, will still also become a bit more consistent um, and I think just getting it ready for the pre-season and start of the season. You know, last year we went into pre-season, into the start of the league without a forwards coach and that came in late and then that all changed again. So it was like we were chasing our tail a little bit. That, And I think that was probably, you know, the fact that the club had done the double and we were probably all high on that and, um, you know, like engrossed in that. And, you know, that is what it is. And But... Yeah, they've put a really robust recruitment uh, strategy in. And so we're definitely going to get the right person in. Uh, and, you know, that person might not be able to start straight away. They might not. But what we want to do is make sure that we wait for the right person and not just feel that um, because somebody's ready and available if they're not the right candidate. I was going to say, why, why are you going on a holiday over pre-season then, are you? Or... <laughs> Who knows, ladies? I can and confirm gentlemen. I'm not going to be the next head coach. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Well, that's that's one per, one less person I'm competing with. Good. <laughs> um, no, actually, look, um, 
Look, we, we, we're, we're, we're dwelling on it, but but I think um, hopefully the, the, the listeners uh, agree. Having you being a, a captain and, and gone through what what the club has gone through last season and this, um, I think it, you know, it, I, I'm fascinated um, to hear sort of behind the, the scenes, and that's what um, having on the podcast and, and having a podcast is, is is all about. So apologies, we're sort of dwelling slightly. Um, come on then, um, you thought it was a red card, the shove to the ground. Yeah, I do. Well, I don't know. I think it was a yellow card. And I think if you look a frame before that, it's actually direct. It's a, in the tackle. She gets, Rosie also gets um, shoulder to head, which I don't think the TMO looked at. And no, I, I, it, 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 it frustrates me because I think there's too many of these incidences. And look, I'm not saying that Harlequins hasn't been on that side of it, but I think there's too many in the women's game that we don't referee properly. I think it's, and I don't know if that's because, I don't know why that is. It's, you know, that would have been, if if a left Kelter was given a yellow card, then it would have been a red. And and that's, that, I'm not saying that, that would have won us the game, but that's pretty significant. You know, 35 minutes maybe left on the clock, I think it was. Um but yeah, I just, and I see it week in, week out. I, just, I think that, the, and I'm basing this on what I see in the men's game. You know, how many yellow cards are in the men's game? How many red cards are in the women's game? And, or, or any cards in the game? They're miles apart. And are we technically that much better? No. But I, no, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, Called it live. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very. What did very, you say live? What did very, you say live? A very most. Um, it's not my uh, when I'm commentating. It's not my place to particularly give an, op- an opinion. That's for the for the colour commentator. And I was that's for Rocky, um, who plays for Saracen. So again, slightly, <laughs> slightly, slightly difficult. Um, I, I didn't see it as an obvious. Out and out yellow. I, I, I'm totally honest with you. I didn't see the shoulder to head, even on replays. But I also, I also think you know, they did have two two yellows, didn't they? Um, and I think the the officials are there. I think Nicky O'Donnell generally um, is one of the better referees. I, I do think the standard refereeing in the Premier Fifteens it isn't great unless you've got one of the one or two of the the, the top referees. Um, but for, it, it didn't stand out for me as a. Um, I, I think yeah. The game was 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 God's because what you were. But Johnny, I'll just challenge you on that because yeah. they shouldn't. And not that instance, but it shouldn't be a <gasps> for a red card or a yellow card. Of course not. That's why. That's my point. Is that I think we're missing so many um, instances where they're subtle and we don't always have the TMO to be able to look back on that. And that's a, that's the thing. That's the thing in the game. In order to protect the players better, that's got to be the next level. With well, yeah, that's that. That's a different conversation. When I say um, to be a red card, no, I, I mean that from a commentary point of view because you are speaking live yeah. while watching, yeah. and in your periphery vision, you, this little triggers you do. Right, I've got to think back to or think back at that, look back at that, talk about that, um, and you know, it's a right. 
um, normally with a sort of any sort of incident like that, you're, you're in your mind you're like, well, but I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's, it's TMOs at every ground, but but every ground isn't isn't is not equipped to to do that in terms yeah. of screens and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have this ridiculous scenario of of you know screens on the side of the pitch and all the rest of it, and it just slows the game down even more. Um, but um, look, you, you yeah, sadly have uh, not reached the final. That's the the end of the the journey for. For Harlequins this year, Saracens go on. Um, outstanding uh, from Poppy Clear to Marley Packer, as you say. Um, I thought Hoddy Aitchison was was very, very good as well. And, yeah, this is without Zoe Harrison. That 50-22 uh, was, was something else. Um, Sarah McKenna kind of played well. Corrigan fizzing around as well. So, well done to Saracens. And, of course, they meet Exeter, who got past Bristol in the other semi-final. Zachary, and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Yeah, Bristol against Exeter at Sandy Park. Exeter finishing second in the table. Of course, they met last week as well, uh, which uh, Exeter Chiefs had won narrowly as well. And this was narrow, but not quite as narrow. 28-24, Hope Rogers with a couple of tries. Lynn van der Velden uh, with another one. And Jenny Duncan right to the death, didn't she, with uh, Gabby Cantona getting the conversion. A real seesaw of a game, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, so a game almost of, of two comebacks. Yeah, I think we were we were still at Saracens at that time. And um, you could see it was 19-0 or 21-0. It was like, they're just going to get steamrolled here. Um which I think people probably thought it would have gone that way anyway. But then what a comeback from Bristol. And I think what they did, they didn't they didn't stop playing. They still went out to try and play as opposed to try and win a game, if that makes sense. Probably doesn't. But um, and even when, you know, all they needed was a penalty to event, they then got eventually, was it 17, 19? So all they needed was a penalty, but they still kept they trusted how they wanted to play, hitting their pods, playing out the back, moving the ball to the edge. Um, and then, you know, ultimately getting themselves a penalty and and knowing the the, the biggest strength of theirs is going to be their line-out weapon. Um, and you would have thought for all money that that was it. Uh, and then again, so from that kickoff after they scored, um, X to make the error, don't they? So then it's Bristol ball. And you think, right, they've they literally got this in the bag. All they've got to do is retain the ball for a, a couple of minutes or kick long, put them under pressure to play out. Um, and then, well, what about that for quick turnover? What is it, three minutes on the clock, kick to the corner. And you'd think it's going to be a driving mall, but nope, the winger steals it. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, thought they'd, they'd, they'd come back, didn't they? Bristol 24-21 it was. Uh, Hannah West with a couple of tries, Amber Reed, Phoebe Murray, um, sorry, Amber Reed with the, with the conversion, Kira Brevin and, and, and Phoebe Murray with with, with the tries. I, I, I agree because we, we saw Bristol dip, didn't we, kind of that third quarter of the season and we just wondered whether they'd, they'd run out of steam, of course, having started so well. I agree with you. I, I, I like the fact that they, they stuck to their guns and, and wanted to play and they had two really key players. Um, like I say, you know, injuries across the board, but uh, Ray Marston, uh, was unavailable for the game, wasn't she? With a with a with a ban, and um, Jazz Joyce had undergone surgery for the bigger picture of a World Cup, and you can't um, deny her her that. 
but yeah, no, fair play to to Bristol um, for them. Now the dust settled. I suspect we'll see that as a very successful campaign. Oh, hugely! I think what where were they last season? It was something like maybe eighth, ninth. They, yeah, I think they hardly won any games. Whereas this year, you know, they've been one of the top four teams right from the start. Um, they've pushed every top side this year, having beaten, almost beating Saracens on the on um, the first occasion, uh, beating Exeter. And and so, yeah, I think they'll look back and they'll be really proud of their performance. And I think the other thing is around, you know, their squad hasn't massively changed, but what obviously Dave Ward's been able to go there and implement and get his team all on the same page and playing as well as they have done. Um, I think it's been a remarkable season. Um, I don't know where they finished in the table, but I, I suspect they've climbed a number of places from where they were last season. Eighth, eighth to eighth, eighth last season with four wins, um, to obviously third this year with with eleven wins. I mean that that is hugely significant. Um, they will cite injuries and what have you last year, and yeah, you know, I, I think the type of players that uh, that Abby Ward and, and Leanne Infante still struggle with that. Um, what that she didn't play? No, I, I just think generally oh. through, through the season. They are they are they are big characters and they were big signings and and they have to be given, yeah. given some credit in terms of driving things forward as well. I know, um, yeah, sort of Abbott's leadership and, and around the breakdown and what have you. Um, it's a it's a good little team in, in tandem, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, fair play to them. This spirit and courage of of of, of Exeter though, whether you like the Harlem Globetrotters aspect of of their team and and bringing players from from all over the world and you know. Um, Behind that is a you know a raft of sort of local younger players, but whether you like that or not, there's a, there's an incredible team spirit to to come back and what score three three minutes before the death. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Whatever your opinions are of how the teams have been formed, you you've got to credit what they've done on the pitch. The performance was, you know, the first forty minutes was outstanding, um, and I don't know what was said at half time for them to. Um, probably sit back and, you know, probably like everybody that was watching, just thinking they're just going to steamroll over this. Um, but yeah, to to not give up and, you know, the scenes of Tony Rogue and Susie Appleby at the end, you know, they they desperately, desperately want, like we all do, um, and to see how much it meant to them to finish in the end, you know, that that was pleasing to see. And I think... There's just there's just so much quality in their team, and they've got such big game players um, that can kind of I mean, Kate Zachary she can literally play on the wing with the speed that she has and how she can just turn it on and you end up feel like you've got marking two players when for her just to be a single player and so yeah I think they've got they've got something quite they've got something quite unique as a squad you know when you and I've I've been in teams that that like that where you've got people from all over the place you're a bit of a, a nomad and sometimes that's what really galvanizes you and makes you really tight and Great. you know a lot of them are away from family friends and and their family is those players that are on the pitch so and that goes deep and you could see that in the end where you know they just had total belief and brought into to going for it and yeah, they got their rewards, and you know, I think I think they're going to really challenge Saracens next week. 
Come on then, one word and you've got one second to answer. Who wins the final? Exeter. Boom! Don't worry, uh, Saracens fans, because if you look back at Rachel Burford's predictions of who would be <laughs> in the top four and who would get to the final, you're okay. You're in safe hands. <laughs> hey, if I'm only allowed one word, you're only allowed one word. <laughs> now, if I predicted... Um, who are you predicting? I don't know. We've got to move on. Time is precious. Um, uh, rugby. On. Rug- one rugby. word. Rugby. One word. One word. Rugby. Don't bottle it. Don't be that person, Johnny. You're bigger and better, more intelligent than that. Saracens. Done. That's it. Nope. nope. One word I said. Done. Moving on. Nope. Nope. They are nope. so hurting <laughs> from that 54-12 tw- <laughs> nope. loss. Um, yeah. Don't bet against the champs, the former champs. Yeah, as I say. Yeah, all right. For, for another, yeah. Exactly. Well, eight, I'll take it. All right. Eight I'll take another it. eight days. You take it. Absolutely. <laughs> Time for some news. On Saturday, the Sarah Beanie Cup final was held in Scotland, the pinnacle of the club season. And it's Hillhead Jordan Hill, who are the champions. Congratulations to everyone at the club. They beat Watsonians 10 5 at Murrayfield. Yes, as you say, well done to them. At the weekend, the HSBC 7 Series hit to lose in France. Oui, oui. Australia already had wrapped up the series, but it was New Zealand who beat Australia in the final. The reverse final result from Langford, 21-14, was the final score. Ireland, aside, very much on the rise, finished fourth, losing to Fiji in the bronze medal match. Rona Lloyd was in sparkling form, helping her team to finish ninth place, England finishing bottom of the pile in 12th. Despite some spirited performances, including beating England, Brazil have finished in the relegation spot of 11th. In Spain, the Division de Honor is at semi-final stage at the weekend. El Salvador will take on AMPU Orzidia and Sambontia are at the stage two, but can't find any news on their opponents. And mm. I have been digging around... Um, the Alcabenas uh, Cisneros game um, doesn't seem to have been played, but uh, Santibiana uh, have gone through. So, yeah, don't quite know. We will keep digging. Um, but those games, or that game, uh, is on the weekend. We'll bring you the, the results next week. And in South Africa, it was round five of the top club competition, the Premier Division. Bolland Dames lost to Blue Balls 24-5 Western Province. Lost to Border Ladies, 19-11. Sharks versus EPQ, EP Queens was postponed. Is say? <laughs> um, Border Ladies remain top with the Blues, Blue Balls in second and Western Province in third. This week, round six, Blue Balls host Western Province. Golden Lions travel to Border Ladies and EPQ, EP Queens entertain Bordeaux Dames. Indeed, they do. And over in France this weekend, it is semi-final time in the Elite One Feminine. Stade Toulousien take on Stade Bordelais and ASA Rogmenar host Blagnac Sporting Club Rugby. Just going to finish out with a, a, a couple of shout-outs. Patricia Garcia, or should we say Patricia Garcia? Um... I'm not looking forward to saying that like that for 80 minutes in the final. Anyway, <laughs> um, she's calling time on a career, 14-year career, 
saw a player all around the world. She's played in Japan, New Zealand, all, all over the place. Uh, an icon of Spanish rugby. 284 appearances for a country in sevens and fifteens. Two World Cups for fifteens. Two World Cups for sevens. Uh, plus a Rio Olympics and a club level. She won top flight titles in Spain and in France. And of course, could add to that um, with an English title. Oh, she won a uh, runner-up with Waikato, Waikato as well. Um, so, yeah, she really has been there and done it. What a fabulous lady as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had many battles on a sevens pitch um, and a fifteens pitch with her. She she's really is a credit to the sport. Um, she puts absolutely everything into what she does. And, you know, it, it's a sad day for, for English rugby because she's still such an incredible, talented individual. But I know that she'll kick on and she'll want to do more good in the game. And... I hope this isn't the last we see of her. I hope she keeps her boots on in a coaching format or gets in the administration. Um, you know, she's a very intelligent um, woman and, yeah, I, I definitely want to see her staying in the game. So I'll be reaching out to her to make sure she does. Good stuff, because rugby can't afford to lose people like... Exactly. Absolutely brilliant. RPA Awards, Rugby Players Association here in England last night. Um, Katie Daly-McLean, MBE. Uh, got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Well done, Kitty. Uh, Celia Kabir was named the Premiership Player of the Season, and Marty Packer won the England Player of the Season. No qualms there. And just a big welcome and shout out to Vicky Alexandra, community coach from Cobham RFC in Surrey. But also, she's just been made a VP at Surrey Rugby. So, huge congratulations, and we love having you on the Women's Rugby Pod. Yeah, great to have you on board, Vicky. Uh, absolutely brilliant yeah and thank you to her and to Tom for all your work behind the scenes Berth chin up Uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, probably at the final we look forward to next week when we will do a full preview of that final Saracens against Exeter until next time bye Johnny